It's Monday, May 19th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Fool.com, David Hanson and Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, guys. Hello. Thank you, buddy. Belated happy birthday to Taylor Muckerman. Thank you. I appreciate that. You, you ripped it up yesterday? I tried to, but I had to make it in to get on this radio show. Today, <laughs> so. uh, it is Merger Monday. We will talk about uh, one merger that appears to be happening and one merger that is not. <laughs> Let's start with the one that is AT&T. Buying DirecTV for around $49 billion. If you assume the debt, this is a $67 billion deal. David, if this is such a great deal, and I'm not saying it is such a great deal, but it does seem like since we've talked about it for a while, it's been reported that these talks have been going on, and nobody has stood up and said, whoa, 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 this is a terrible idea. So if this is such a good deal, why are both stocks down today? What's going on? Yeah. DirecTV down to what eighty three dollars, and Around, the, the proposed bid was ninety five. Yeah, so so very large spread here, and I'm not a, a merger arb expert, uh, but when a spread you're is, not, I'm not surprisingly. It's Get not out my, of here! It's not, not very circle, foolish of you. Not my circle of confidence here, um, but part of it, a, a big part of the deal is a stock deal, uh, and the acquiring stock. AT&T, since it has a big dividend, there's a lot of implications in terms of merger R people going in trying to buy that dividend, having to worry about shorting it, that dividend, etc. You also have regulatory concerns, I guess. Um, you were telling me earlier that the NFL is somewhat of a wild card here, whether DirecTV re-ups their contract with the NFL there. Um, so yeah, still some outstanding things that need to be answered before this deal is official. Uh, it makes for really good headlines. It's not a situation that I'm interested in diving into and investing in, uh, but it's cool headline. That is the most interesting part of this deal to me, Taylor, is the fact that there is a clause in the merger whereby DirecTV has to renew its contract with the mm-hmm. NFL for the Sunday ticket package. And by the way, I don't know anyone who has DirecTV that didn't get it for that very reason. The sole purpose. Right. That's the sole purpose of getting it. And if they don't re-up with the NFL, AT&T can walk away from this whole thing. It's shocking to me that a $50 billion deal could go down the tube because of one sport not re-signing with DirecTV. But um, did you saw it with CBS late last year when the NFL season was going on. They were trying to renew contracts and the threat of a blackout for NFL games, and CBS caved, and NFL got the better end of that deal. So starting to wield some power now with DirecTV and a deal that would make the second largest cable company, I think, in the country. Yeah, uh, it hinges on the fact that the NFL is a, such a, a prominent sport. By the way, if you're Comcast, you got to be pretty psyched right yeah. now because this is taking some of the heat off of the Time Warner acquisition, and certainly some of the spotlight is off of them. And they're like, "Well, wait a minute, there there is greater competition mm-hmm. in this space. Just look at this deal that uh, that AT and T is looking to pull off." Um, it is interesting, though, to think about. Will consumers win here? Because right. I'm tempted to say, at least in my case, I, I have Comcast for my cable and internet access. I have AT&T for my mobile phone. Presumably, if this deal goes through, I'm going to get to go to both AT&T and Comcast and say, hey, tell me what your best deal is. Make me happy here. Um, but uh, across the river, up on Capitol Hill, you got people saying, wait a minute, we are now taking a close look at both of these deals because we're worried about what it's going to mean for consumer choices. Yeah, cable is going to be so siloed if, if these both deals go through. I mean, you're going to really have a choice that's too limited, in my opinion, if both deals go through. Does this make – if you're a content provider and you're watching all of this play out, 
Are you neutral? Are you a little bit worried? Are you rubbing your hands together? The NFL clearly rubbing their hands mm-hmm. together off of this. But what about any other sort of major content provider? Because I would think that a combined Comcast Time Warner and now potentially a combined AT&T DirecTV, they're wielding bigger clubs mm-hmm. and there's only so much they're going to pay for content. If you're, if you're a good content provider, I think you continue to remain confident, right? If you have the content that people want. If you have you, the NFL. If you have the NFL, if you have ESPN, I mean, you, if you have the properties that people want, people are going to consume the content however it gets to them. You, I don't think you should be concerned that much. If you're a, a fringe provider, may, maybe you're a little bit more concerned and your pricing power gets squeezed a little bit. I mean, but. AT&T, I mean, their subscriber base isn't growing. DirecTV's is barely growing. So it's not like these two companies are going to combine into one big rocket ship of growth. I don't think it's going to help grow it. I think a lot of it has to do, David mentioned the dividend, the AT&T pays. I saw a lot of people writing that this could be a deal that AT&T needs cash. DirecTV has cash. And I saw that they, their payout ratio is near, nearly 90% of their free cash flow. So that's a pretty dangerous level for a company that's not growing like AT&T to continue paying out that high dividend. Well, and to the point you made, David, clearly there are a lot of people on Wall Street who are looking at this deal the same way you are in sort of black and white terms and saying, I'm not that interested. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do is look at not just the fact that AT&T is down a little bit. DirecTV is trading double digits below the buyout price. Right. And, and even long term, after if the deal goes through, this consolidated entity what does it look like? Is that a good investment going forward? It seems like AT&T's strategy is basically saying, well, we're not really sure what's going to happen over the next five to 10 years, but let's just buy a lot of stuff and like we'll figure it out as we go. Historically, that's not a, <laughs> it's not a great strategy for companies that just say, hey, we'll buy a ton of stuff and figure it out. They usually end up overpaying for a lot of things, and it's not a good thing for shareholders in the long run. Shares of the UK drug maker AstraZeneca down more than 10% this morning after the company rejected Pfizer's final offer for a takeover bid. This was their best and final offer, which in the UK actually means something. There's an expiration date to this. So come May 26, this offer is no longer on the table. But I, I don't know, Taylor. I'm I'm not an AstraZeneca shareholder. I think if I were, I'd be furious because you go back to January when Pfizer made their first offer for AstraZeneca. It was somewhere, I think, in the maybe high 80s, low 90s, uh, that sort of thing. They up it to $106 billion. Now they up, up it to $117 billion, maybe even a little bit more, depending on which report you're reading. I don't know. I'm not surprised that AstraZeneca is falling today the way it is, because at some point, it just becomes obscene to turn down that much money. Yeah, especially with a company that's been struggling a lot the past couple of years to come up with a new drug. They supposedly have a lot in the pipeline that could drive revenue up to up pretty high to $20, $30 billion um, by 2023. And this is a research and, and development-oriented company, much more so than I think Pfizer is. So they've got a little bit longer window to wait for these new drugs. I from what I've been reading, though, Pfizer's just terrible at creating value from acquisitions. I saw that they've spent... T- take it from a longtime shareholder. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I saw since 2000, they've made three big acquisitions for $240 billion, and the current market cap of Pfizer is only $190 billion. So absolutely zero value creation there from those three acquisitions. So if you're an AstraZeneca shareholder, maybe getting uh, out of this deal might not be such a bad thing. And there's been a lot of political pressure from over there in the UK because this will be the largest foreign takeover of a UK-based company. Um, so a lot of people are worried 
that that could change some of the landscape over there. I think I saw the AstraZeneca CEO or maybe it was the chairman saying, if you don't like it, us rejecting this, you can vote me out. Yeah, it's true. Did I did I read yeah. that correctly? You might. I mean, and even <laughs> if you didn't, it's it's true. Right. I mean, shareholders could. That's go a in good there. stance. Yeah. It makes me wonder though: is this is this a little bit of not wanting to let go of an empire? I mean, if your company is being bought, maybe it is the best deal for shareholders. Yeah. But if but if it's, you're you're overseeing this huge company, and if you get bought out, maybe you're not you don't have that job anymore. So maybe there's a little bit of personal stuff going on here. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am surprised that. If, AstraZeneca has continued to use the word inadequate every time the, the, with all three bids. It's like, well, this is inadequate. Well, again, at some point, how much money are you looking for? Right. Because and and I think you you may be right, David, that this might not be about the dollars. It might be about sort of the empire itself. We've seen so many mergers this year across a whole range of industries. There is nothing to indicate that this is not going to continue for the rest of this year. When you look at the balance sheets of all of these companies, uh, again, across a range of industries, I'm curious if there is a company that you look at that you think, boy, they, they really are a great takeout candidate, or a company that you look at and think, boy, they, <laughs> their one saving grace, their one chance in life is to get bought out by someone. Um, is there is there something, is there a merger you'd like to see or you think will happen? Would I like to see or think I will happen? Either. So I'm going to answer, <laughs> answer neither of those Do questions. Do both. Okay. Come well, on. <laughs> Do neither. Um, so a company that, that I own that I don't want to see it bit, get bought out because I think it has a lot of potential, uh, but it could, is, is Zillow, the online real estate platform. I think a company like Google could easily buy. I mean, it's a four billion dollar company. Obviously, much more expensive now than it was a year and a half ago. It's more than doubled. Uh, but only a four billion dollar company—that's chump change for for a company like Google. Uh, Zillow focuses on real estate, the ad platform, mapping. Google has all of these expertises. They have Google Maps. They have the best expertise in online advertising, online platforms. So to me, that's an acquisition that could make a lot of sense. Probably wouldn't move the needle too much at Google, but in terms of synergies, I don't like to use that word, but in terms of <laughs> potential synergies, it seems like a Google and a Zillow could make sense as a, as a single entity. What about you, Taylor? I, I'm going with another disruptor in the real estate area, although this is rentals. I think Airbnb is a pretty interesting... I like the company a lot, but uh, it's trying to grow in the offerings that it can provide more as a concierge service. Uh, it's, it knows where you're going, when you're going, and uh, I think Expedia or Priceline could swoop in because it's a little different. They go, they specialize in hotels. Airbnb is doing uh, home rentals or, or, you know, there's even companies now that are building high-rises and leaving a floor for weekly or monthly rentals that Airbnb can tap into now. So it's going to become a much bigger industry, I think, and uh, Priceline and Expedia have both done very well over the past five, ten years, and I think that they might want to take a little taste of that market. Uh, David, you reminded me of uh, our co-founder, David Gardner, who uh, he's had investments that he's made in the past that he has just loved both from the investment itself, but also from the company and what they're doing. And then when they've gotten bought out, he's just been, I don't want to say crushed, mm-hmm. but hes but it's not, you know, and I'm thinking primarily of Pixar, mm-hmm. which used to be a standalone public Marvel. company. And Marvel. Marvel yeah. um, I was a Marvel shareholder. And that's, even though Disney has done well uh, and has done well by Marvel, there are times when I just sort of look at how the Marvel universe it, 
through merchandising, through its movies, that sort of. Every once in a while, I think, God, what what would that company be doing? If I don't it feel was, bad for you. Well, yeah, fine. You, you can break out the segment in the Disney <laughs> not, in the Disney annual report. And you're right. like, why can't that be a standalone business? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking for sympathy, but it is it is something that I just wonder about every once in a while. Uh, two housekeeping notes I need to mention. The first is we're hiring here at the Motley Fool. We're actually hiring a lot. I was. Uh, Wonderfully surprised the other day when I went over to culture.fool.com, which is where we have our jobs listed, uh, and all of the jobs that we're hiring for. So, radio host, you're like, What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> that's um, uh, um, financial planners. We're, yeah, we're, lots of those. We're, we're hiring a lot of financial planners, but we're hiring across a range of industries. Um, so, uh, if you know someone who's uh, looking for a job, maybe you're looking for a job and you're in the greater Alexandria, Virginia area or want to move here, check out culture.fool.com. That's where all our jobs are listed. Uh, second housekeeping update, little bit of news to be made on where the money is, the show co-hosted by David Hansen. You want to talk to the, uh, our dozens of listeners, share what's, uh, what's going on? Some expanded content coming to the Where the Money Is podcast. Yes, and we forgot to mention this on where the money is today. So for anyone who listens to both, <laughs> sorry. So wait we, we got caught up. So in you're everything. breaking news on this podcast. Breaking news about, right now. <laughs> as opposed to the podcast that you host. Yeah, that was, that's what we do. Uh, so Matt Copenheffer, the co-host of Where the Money Is, has been summoned to go work on the Motley Fool's German operations. So we're launching a, a German site. I know Taylor is working a little bit on, on the Canadian site that we have. So we're also launching a German site. Matt Copenheffer is going to head those operations up. So he will not be at our disposal to do a daily podcast every single day. So we took the opportunity to take the uh, Where the Money Is platform and expand it, expand the the horizons of our, of our listeners and of our analysts here in-house. So instead of having financials content every day, which I know probably some of Market Foolery listeners don't love listening about banks every single day. Some do. Some do, but most do not. Uh, we're going to have a, a different industry Every single day on where the money is, it's going to follow the same format. We're going to do headlines, in focus, games, uh, but we're going to have different sectors. So Taylor is going to contribute to the Thursday energy shows every Thursday. We'll have some energy content in the same format of where the money is. Wednesday we'll have some healthcare stuff. Tuesday we'll have consumer goods. Uh, so it'll be same format, still in depth, kind of more analysis heavy uh, than some other podcasts, uh, but. We're excited about it. Should and that cool. kicks off this week, right? Yeah. Tomorrow will be the first Consumer Goods episode of Where the Money Is. All right. All the more reasons to check out Where the, Mini, uh, Where the Money Is on iTunes, on Stitcher, pretty much every spoken word platform. Taylor Markham and David Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for today's edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 